town you never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, that's my best say, That's yeah. my best impression like right that. there. I wow. like that. Well, see, I'm mixing it up these days. Yeah. Getting good. Getting yeah. good. Yeah. So we, uh, I don't know what order we'll release in, but um, I had a conversation with, with the coach, mm-hmm. Johnston Hobbs, um, and, and we wanted to get a little more into uh, his background and how he came up and... Yeah. how we got into this and so on and so forth, right? Well, we've been kicking this idea around. It was originally your idea. Let's let's do an episode and label it or call it, name it, what is coaching? Because there's so many things that go into it now. Mm-hmm. And like even when I was growing up, you schedule a handful of practices, then you got your 10, 12 games, and then that's it until mm-hmm. next season rolls around. And, and now the, the pressure that's put on coaches, the expectations, and it doesn't matter if it's T-ball collegiate ball, uh, volleyball, like there's just so much more that goes into it uh, that I don't know if all folks out there can really wrap their mind around or are aware of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's just changed so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought that was a great idea. And I thought we had an opportunity here where we have a, an established coach, Johnston Hobbs of the Corn Belt League Collegiate Baseball Development League here in Omaha, uh, let's take a stab at it here. So, There's going to be a bunch of people listening yeah. to this from like all over the country. We have some people streaming in from around the world Yeah, that they're going to be like, of course, the place in Nebraska calls it the Corn Belt League. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it really went out on the limb of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You got to wear it. You know, like uh, yeah. you got to be comfortable in your own skin. And I thought that's where Commissioner Joe C. were like, you know what? Good on you. Tip of the cap. Right. <laughs> right. How long has this league been around? Six years. And mm. you've been a part of it? Four years. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So what, what I want to ask to begin with, um, you know, anytime people are having this conversation, it's like when, when they're talking to someone like you, it's coach. You know, it's just like if you're, if you're talking to a doctor, it's like doctor, you know, you're always called. Does everyone call you coach? And do you, do you like that? Is there, or how does that feel? Um, you know, I, I kind of have an old school approach to baseball, but you have to evolve and in order to be able to communicate with this this new generation for the past 10 years has been changing mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I don't mind not being called coach. I definitely – I do not like being called skip. That's kind of the thing okay. in baseball, yeah. skipper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't – I think a kid's <laughs> skipping down the street or something when you say that. Right. Or, um, uh, the My old teammates, uh, most of who weren't from the United States, um, couldn't say Johnston. So they would they would keep messing up once then and this and that mm-hmm. and so they just took the first two letters of my first name Joe and the last two of my last name or first two of my last name so they call me Ho- Joho <laughs> instead of Hojo which was Joe. Howard Johnson for the Mets yep, so yep. Um, so now everybody just calls me Joho or Hobbs um, nice. my old coaches calls me Hobbsy um, I've been called other things which we won't say by <laughs> players and other coaches <laughs> we can we got that explicit sticker on it's okay. <laughs> Andy, what do you call him when you're announcing? Coach Hobbs. Okay. Yeah. Coach Hobbs. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. But you don't demand like no. your players to say that. So we have no. children that play, and some coaches are like, you refer to me as coach. You know, I am a firm believer of I expect to be respected because of my experience and what I'm doing, but I'm not going to demand it. 
Okay. I don't want it under any other circumstance besides a genuine one. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, you you know, if you're comfortable calling me Joho, if you want to call me Coach, if, you know, Hobbsy, I'm, I get called so many different things in the yeah. baseball industry that it's kind of cool, really. Yeah. So we actually have a connection that really goes back, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but you played for the University of Indiana, right? Indiana University. Indiana. Yes. Oh my God! Whoops. Yeah. Well, I don't, 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 don't let me do that again. About to break out some jujitsu in this <laughs> oh, place. <shoot. laughs> uh, but way back in the day, Bellevue West did, and they still do high school when they first built that nice new high school. What is that? Twenty five, thirty years ago now. Yeah. Always. Yeah. But it had all those brand new rubber gyms, you know. Yeah. And so they would bring in big time camps year round. And I went to one of their baseball camps, and your coach was there, Bob Morgan. Bob Morgan, and he was throwing me pitches, and 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 I was I was sending some lasers down the first baseline. I, I bat left handed, and he's like, you know what, you can stay in here. I'll let you hit a few more. I'll let you hit a few more. You're doing so well. You know, you're doing what I'm telling you to. And I, right after he said that, and he threw me that extra pitch, I sent one right back at him. And he goes, "Get the hell out of here!" Yeah, or, or his favorite <laughs> is, "Get off me!" Yeah, get <laughs> yeah. Off, you're out of here. Yeah. I thought he was joking. I, uh, I stood in there. He goes, "No, I mean it. Get out of here." Oh, he he was um, kind of like the Bobby Knight of baseball. You know what I mean? But people don't really know Bobby Knight. You know, being an Indiana guy and then athletics. You know, we knew him personally. But coach was, um, it was almost like the military. Like, if he was barking mm. at you, and, you know, he was a barker. He was an old-school guy, like, getting your face. There was a message in there. So if you survived that, you learned how to read his language. Mm-hmm. And um, Coach Morgan has taught me so much about baseball. I have absolutely nothing but praise for that guy because he has helped me so much. For one thing, in mental toughness. Because if I can handle him giving me the message the way he gives it to me, then there's not another person on a team out there that can get in my head. Sure. Um, so I really I needed that kind of structure, mm-hmm. but I've done a lot of clinics with him. You know, as a yeah. coach now yeah. that <laughs> that I'm of age to coach, and um, it's an absolute comedy show. Like we should and and Sonny played for him. Oh uh, really? Yeah, Sonny um, was my former assistant who coaches the Black Sox. His he was at uh, the College of Wooster in Ohio, and that was Coach Morgan's first coaching job. And he was only, you know, just a little bit older than Sonny. Yeah. And, like, Sonny's pretty old, man. Like, I mean, his all-star <laughs> team was Sonny Moses. And, you know, <laughs> his first job was waiter at the Last Supper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You guys are asking. And Sonny's a great guy, fun coach. Oh, he is. He I, coached down in Puerto Rico, too, with you, right? He was my assistant down okay. in Puerto Rico. Yeah. He, he was my assistant in Glens Falls, too. And we had a great time together because um, we have a lot of the same beliefs. Um, but we just have different ways of putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I really wish you guys could mic us up sometime or have like, some reality <laughs> show. It would be comical. <laughs> that would probably be cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, just in college. A little know, live stream. Hear yeah. the banter and the oh, chatter. Yeah. 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 Well, this is a great segue then kind of with the crux of what I want to get into is coaching, you know, kind of what it was and what it has turned into or what it has to be now. And it's not just a communication deal. I feel the expectations have really changed as well. Yeah, it has. Um, there's a lot of pressure now on coaches because there's so much pressure on athletes. You know, um, I don't know where in society we've put the you're only successful if you make $42 million or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. kids seem to think, and I run into this all the time, you know, we, we've had kids in leagues that, you know, hey, if this training's expensive, and then it must be good. You know, and that's not the case. You know, um, you... It, and a lot of coaches have pressure too because 
they've got the wrong agenda. You know, you got a lot of coaches that's mm-hmm. just winning. Because yeah. if I win, I'm going to get Adidas. Or if I, you know, and when I was uh, coaching in college and recruiting, I remember a couple of kids asking me, well, who sponsors your school? And that's when I hang up because mm-hmm. I know they're not about the program. Yeah. They're about yeah. themselves. So that that works its way into the coach because if the star players mm-hmm. aren't happy these days, coach is gone. Yeah. You know, very rarely, and you see it in college all the time. Well, How- and I've seen this real quick on the other side too where – Winning really takes, or just being successful, takes a back seat to getting that kid his his swings, getting that kid his pitches, you know, his innings pitched, or his you know shots attempted in basketball. Like it's all about where a coach almost turns into an agent, almost you know, especially in the AAU type club ball type stuff. That's when you get more into management. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I'm this is why even if I decide to to get into the professional ranks of baseball. I want to be a development guy. I don't want to be a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's putting this kid here because you have to, or the front office says you have to, or Sabermetric says you have to. You right. know, um, you're right. That that's that's what's going on these days. And um, for someone that you know came up so long ago, like me and like Sonny, <laughs> you know, it's it's tough to watch because we're still involved in it. And I would have never guessed in my lifetime I would see the drastic changes that I see now with how some of the athletes even act or feel like they can act. And some of the coaches, too, just some of the dumb things some mm-hmm. of these coaches do is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, uh, recently a kid for Tennessee popped off to the umpire and got tossed. I'm like, good. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to yeah. say that and think you can say it. You could read his lips. I mean, F-bomb after F-bomb. Really? On the field right after he got K'd up. And, and, you know, good on the umpire. And and that was a big uproar on social media. It's like, I can't believe you tossed that kid. He's their best, one of the best batters. And Who cares? Like, yeah. Don't conduct yourself like that. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not a good kid. I mean, yeah. I don't know him personally, but he wasn't in that instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had talked earlier. I said a fish rots from the head. The head coach allows that. Sure. Like if you yeah. watch Tennessee, they pop off every one of them. Mm-hmm. And even the head coach, he doesn't say a word unless it's popping off. And last year at the College World Series, I was right near where he and the Texas coach were going at. I heard the things he said. And for me, I mean, I'm not a judge of anybody's character. I don't have the right to do that. I would think I was classless if I said some of the things that I heard. Mm-hmm. And then if you watch after that game when they lost to Notre Dame, it looks like he was popping off at the team. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, hey, guys, yeah. we had a great season. It was more like, you know, you suck. You didn't get it done. You didn't. And it, it, that's an ego yeah. You, you got to wonder, like, after the fact, when, when they're able to see themselves, you know, in those replays and, and so on and so forth, like how they feel about it. And yeah. and does that really hit home or are they just like, nah, man, that's just I did what I needed to do. You know, when I was his age and I was first in college coaching, um, you know, it's my way. It's this. And I'm going to drive it hard. And the, I look back at that now and I'm almost embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably will be later down the road. Yeah. But, you know, he's getting paid very handsomely at a school that's paying him that way and they're going to let him get away with it and they're expecting yeah. you know, results the, and the pitching coach was just as bad yeah. then he came out and popped off yeah well is that more are they moving more into that management side where look you you're getting paid or you're getting the scholarship money and you're getting this money it's not under the table anymore mm-hmm. right. <laughs> it, it's out in the open now but now there's an expectation so we have to pitch you for five innings you better produce like then does it give the coach more of a rope or a leeway to do that No, because one thing about, first of all, everybody thinks like a full ride, a full scholarship is a four-year deal. It's not. It's Mm -hmm. a one-year contract every year. And it can be not, you know, you don't have to renew it, but you can't do it for for performance reasons. Like if they're Mm -hmm. academic or code of conduct or what we always did is we put out um, a code of conduct at the beginning of your head, every kid sign it. 
And so if one of those things was a violation, we could take the money, right? And then that tends to give you a little leverage. But when the athletic department is letting a coach do what he does because, you yeah. know, it's it's flashy and people are talking about it and you're number one in the country, we go back to if you're winning, yeah. you know, you can get away with it. What if the 152nd ranked team in the country popped off like that? That coach would be replaced immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and then it gives, I just feel like the kids free reign to be able to do it because they see their coach doing it. It's it exactly is. what it is. Yeah. It's a bad example. Yeah. And now they've become the villain of college baseball. You know, but like George Steinbrenner said, you know, even if I'm the back page of the New York Post and it's bad press, it's free press. Mm -hmm. So he's not paying for it. So there's that mentality out there is to stay relevant. You'll see um, certain celebrities and, and old athletes that'll pop off some sort of, well, here's my opinion on this out of nowhere. It's ridiculous, but all of a sudden they're relevant again because yeah. they're in the news for it. Yeah. So. Um, you mentioned earlier, I wanted to ask, how tough is it as a collegiate coach to have to make that decision of the the skill set that the player's going to bring uh, as opposed to that mentality that they're going to bring you know cause, so like you said earlier you know you get a, you have a kid call and say hey who's sponsoring that school you know what i mean so you know that mentality straight out the gate but what if you know that that kid is one of the top recruits in the country you know how hard is it to make that that it, choice it's hard early in your career Right, because we're talking about there's so much emphasis on winning and being successful. You want the best players you can. You probably tolerate things you ordinarily wouldn't, which goes back to what we were just talking about. For me, it's, there's a balance, right? If one, if the scale's balanced, I'm okay with it. But if it's one way or the other, um, unless it's tipped towards, like I'll take a kid who doesn't have the skill but has the attitude and work ethic because mm -hmm. I can help him get the skill. Mm -hmm. I can't change in the summer. I can't change his DNA. You know, or his personality or what his parents are feeding him or his other coaches. Now, I do get a lot of other kids. Um, I mean, I've had two or three kids that have just blatantly said, no, coach, I'm not going to do that because my coach at home says, I'm like, well, you know, you're batting 075 right now. You might want to change something. And, I, and I'll have to give one kid credit after last summer. who He told me he didn't want my help hitting. He hit maybe 100 and made about five errors. So he saw some bench time. Um he came back to me in the fall after playing and said, you know, I took your advice and I'm hitting the ball a lot better. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry I didn't listen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then that made That's it okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it was. So yeah. somehow or another, I got enough respect from him during the season for him to do that. So, and that's that's the kind of reason why I still do this. There's just the random mm -hmm. text from players um, sometimes. I, I still have great relationships with the entire high school team. First one ever. Uh, really? Coached. And in fact, we represent one of those pitchers. And I talked to that kid four times a day. You that, know? And that story that you told about that kid, um, you know, who wasn't batting well and then decided to take your advice and so on and so forth, that's a glimpse into, you know, we talked about this when, when we were recording the other episode of how rare it is for a kid in any sport to move on past college or even, you know, to D1 or where the case may be to begin with. But what's happening is these life lessons. And that's one of the things when we talk about this this coaching topic that I mm -hmm. kind of wanted to get into along with also as we get down the road here, we want to talk about your background a little bit, but these life lessons that come along with these games. And I think baseball is one of the primary ones that brings so many of them. Yeah. I, I cannot argue with that one bit because baseball um, is kind of a metaphor for how some things in life work. I think it's a metaphor. Is that what I'm looking for? But it's comparable to everyday life. Sounds good. Yeah, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> half the battle. Um, you know, it, it's it it 
shadows life, right? Like you, you get the answers first and the test next, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, what are you going to do with the answers once you get tested? And, um, that's one thing that, uh, that we ran into last year. Um, we had a kid, Matt Keating, who was struggling at bat. He played at Southeastern, set a record for home runs that year, lights out pitcher. That was like 97. We called him Motani because he was, <laughs> he was our guy who could hit and pitch. Um, he was struggling one time. I just said, look, man, this is just like life. You're going to have bad days. You know, um, Coach Morgan taught mm -hmm. me this. Um, Yesterday is a cash check. You can't spend it. Tomorrow is a promissory note. You can't spend it yet. Today's the only cash you got. Spend it wisely. So I told him that. And, you know, at the end of the season, I think he actually said something to you about that, about yeah. how we taught yeah. life lessons and this, and that's yeah. why the team did so well. So, um, you know, it's, I think that's just as important as my resume as far as the X's and O's and the mechanics of baseball is how to communicate with these kids and what can I teach them about um, dealing and, uh, like we say, failure in baseball. So. Well, and I think baseball, maybe above all other sports, it's a straight-up mental game. Like there's so much to it that where basketball, man, you got to be athletic. you got to be able to run, jump, you know, and have a shot. you got to work on all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But talent might be able to take you a little bit further. Or baseball, you might have less talent, but if you got it between the ears, you can go a long way. I mean, there's a number of professionals out there that are 5'10", 5'9", and that's, you just can't have that in the NFL consistently or in the NBA. Yeah, you can be a shot blocker, right, mm -hmm. and, make a, and get a big check. Right. You know, if, if all I can do is, is field ground balls and that's it, I'm not going to make it anywhere in baseball. Uh, and you're talking about uh, baseball being fair and kind of being a, a mirror to life. Uh, there's so many facets to it to where – you do things the right way in baseball and your numbers add up and you get kind of paid off or, you know, you get your gratitude that way. And, uh, I mean, just the, the, the way it's structured to where you can have a pop-up, you know, but if you put the bat on the ball, you might get an RBI out of it. So you don't get the point for, you know, getting a hit, but you still get something positive out of it. You get a run batted in. You still get a stat out of it. And I don't think there's a sport out there where it's kind of geared to if you do things the right way, you're going to get – paid off in the end yeah we had a kid in um when Sonny and i were managing in the new england league up in vermont um one of my favorite athletes of all time david sarmiento played for me at flanagan high school all four years and played for me all four years of college had a broken wrist but didn't want to go home and get it fixed he wanted to contribute any way he could because he was the best base runner i've ever coached in my life and he was a very good bunner so he batted zero on the year because we brought him in to bunt and steal bases, but he had an on-base percentage of 450, which was better than anybody on the team. One of the guys on the board just couldn't understand why I was still playing him. He's got a zero batting average. I'm like, that doesn't matter. He gets on base 45% of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know when bat average, well, maybe it does in your adult league. You know, you guys can brag about it over beers or whatever, but, you know, if you're competing, this is what matters. Yeah. And I don't get too much into the saber metrics thing, but right. I am a stats guy. You know, because mm -hmm. I was, uh, you know, biomechanics and the numbers and the math and the physics type stuff. So I dig all that stuff, angles and all mm -hmm. that. But you know, you you the statistics can help you. You can shine in so many ways without it being obvious to everybody on the you know in the stands. The yeah. stats is one of the things that I really like the most about it because today everything is so like instant gratification. But a, your stats, like your your batting average, that is the culmination of, you know, however long time, however many at-bats. And every single at-bat is going to have a little bit of an effect on that. And you're building that the whole time. 
it's kind of like your GPA. If you mess yeah, up early, for sure. it makes a big impact yeah. later on. You know, yeah. If you're 0 for 2, you're 0. Yeah. You're 1 for 2, you're 500, right? But 100 bats at bats down the road, you're right, it may make one point. Like, for example, yeah. we hit 15, 14 hits yesterday in a game, but our team batting average only went up two points. Mm-hmm. You know, Now, if we get all those in the first game, we're batting 750, yeah. right? But instead, we're batting 306. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that's that's the lessons that it teaches yeah. is that you you got to be in this for the long run, mm-hmm. and every little si- single thing that you do has an effect on what mm-hmm. that end result is, that end number you can talk about. And, and it also um, tells you, you know, work your strengths. You know, if mm-hmm. if one door, you know, the thing, the biggest thing I've, I've found out about this generation of kids is um, problem solving is an issue, right? Mm. If it's not on the phone, they don't know how to do it. Yep. And, you know, I've I've seen, <laughs> I've gone through this sometimes with kids where they're like, I can't get in there. Well, why? Well, the door is closed. Did you try to open it? Well, it might be locked. Might be open. <laughs> right. you know? yeah. So then the, yeah. it's locked. Well, it's locked. Okay, is there another door? Yeah. Did you try it? No. I mean, it's just basic right. problem right. solving 101. Yeah. Work your strengths. Yeah. Like, I, I'll analyze the situation. We got two window panes here. We got two doors. We got eggshell. We got everything in here. You know what I mean? If something goes down, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, kids these days are just like, man, if I don't see it on TikTok, I don't right. know what I'm right. going to do. It's scary. Or, like you said, the problem solving, work your strengths. And then <laughs> by whatever experiences you're having and, and, and experiences that you're affording them as a coach to build that confidence, to be able to say, well, I'm confident enough. Let me go grab that handle and see what's, it might work. It might not, you know, and then I'm, let me try this. You know, I'm confident enough to try that. So building that confidence is a huge thing with the sport as well. And you can't be scared that you couldn't open it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, yep. so yep. it's like it's a classic performance psychology um, called uh, defensive pessimism. You make an excuse before you perform mm. just in case you don't perform at a certain level. Sure. Like if I had a pitcher that said, Coach, I know I'm supposed to start today. I'm just letting you know I'm, my arm's a little, mm-hmm. little tired because mm-hmm. he's not confident. But then when you're up 10 runs, all of a sudden he's like, man, my arm feels great. I can go in, you know. Mm-hmm. So my job is to learn how to interpret what they're saying, what they can or can't do, mm-hmm. and try to help build the confidence to grab the handle, you know, if it's closed, figure something else. Because like we said earlier, you know, you're managing failure in baseball. And when you when you fail, you got to let it go. All right, let's right. make an adjustment. It's all about making adjustments. Yeah, so on, on that particular topic, let's get into that a little bit. So – um, your background. Let's talk about your background. You know, where did you come up, and and how did you get into this? Well, um, as I was growing up, I grew up in a single family um, or a single parent household. Um, my mom and dad split up when I was about one and a half, so I don't really have any memories of my of my paternal father, biological father. Um, but he was a high level baseball player. Um, so I'm guessing that's where I got my ability from. Hmm. Um, my mom was a field hockey player. She was out of New York, out of Brooklyn. So you can imagine what our conversations at home are like when she's really ticked off at me. <laughs> she's the only human in my life that's ever scared me. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. It's the only human that, I've man. ever been scared of. Yeah. Um, so uh, up until about fourth grade, it was just my grandmother, my mom, my sister, and me. Um, then um, my mom got remarried to my stepdad, who I refer to as my father because he's been the father figure. Um, he was a former military officer and and um, uh in the corporate world at uh, what was Wachovia back then is now Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was very, he was, I used to refer to him as Mr. Spock, like that's illogical, you know, I mean, it's, if it didn't make sense, you didn't do it and you got, you know, but it was, it was structure that I craved. Yeah. 
and I'd been the only male in the household for a long time. You know, I was I was the only. So when he came, I felt threatened, and so initially we didn't get along too. I well. was just going to say, was that hard? It was very difficult for me because um, I've got more of my mom's New York blood. Yeah, and my sister is a definite Southern Belle type. Um, she loved it down there. So, uh, we we were in Illinois. You know, my family's from New York, and we ended up in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, around second or fourth grade, something like that. I guess a long time ago. Um, so when she married um, my stepfather or my father, um, things changed a lot. Yeah. Right. And so of course I went through my rebellious thing for a few years where I don't have to listen to you. You're not my dad. And you were approximately fourth grade at that point. You said fourth grade. Okay. Yeah. That's when I got my first beating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first and last. Yeah. And yeah. I don't mean to say beating because that sounds bad. Like somebody's going to call child protective <laughs> services, but I got a spanking. Sure. And um, it, it, the next day I made an A on my math test. And so I never looked back from that point on. Now we did still have some brush ups here or there, but um, it wasn't until my athletic career initially, um, when I was 17 or 18, I was invited to a tryout for the Boston Red Sox. And I didn't get an offer that day. So to me, my career was over. You know, I'm, I'm 18 years old. You know, that's all I want to do is play baseball. What did I do? I did okay in, in high school, I, I was much smarter than my grades showed. I tested very well, but I just wanted to play baseball um so that got put on hold you know because i was not as big as i needed to be um you know i was maybe six one one seventy five and all these guys were just giants because that's back in the day where god knows what they were doing mm. and they were all <laughs> built like in seiko back then yeah man. yeah and, yeah, Come I'm on, they were around. just lifting weights. I, they worked really hard. Wink, wink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heavier weights. <laughs> yeah, the trucks. <laughs> um, and so that didn't work out. I just, I just didn't know what to do. So I kind of, you know, I, I kind of had this dark period where, you know, I just went around from play, school to school and job to job. And I really had no direction. And, you know, I hung out with some idiots and, you know, I was getting in trouble at school. And then one day my stepfather, you know, I keep calling my stepfather, I'm just saying my father came up to me and just said, look, man, what do you need? What is it you need? Like really need. And uh, I wrote a list and he had a list and we just sat down to talk and our relationship changed to that point. He was like my best friend. Hmm. Um, there was a point where he got me into baseball. You know, you think that my, my biological dad would get yeah. me into baseball, but he really had nothing to do with me. So anytime I did something well, I made sure I sent him the news clip, you know, just kind of throw it in right. his face. So I was a little bitter, you know, growing up and probably missed out on a lot of learning opportunities, hence the reason why I got cut early on. Um, but I was, I can't remember what grade it is, maybe sixth or seventh, I was ready to quit baseball just because, you know, I didn't like somebody on the team or something the kids do. Yeah. And he sat me down and said, man, you signed up for this. You finish what you start. You don't quit anything. You made a commitment. A commitment is important. Blah, 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 and went through it. And I said, all right. Had he not done that, I wouldn't be here today. Sure. I wouldn't have done anything. So I owe everything to that guy, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he, he worked his tail off, you know, and, and I came up with a family where I never knew what my parents made. We didn't have those discussions. I just knew they provided well. And, you know, you know, we didn't have like country club memberships or anything like that. But, you know, they taught me, here's how you save money. Here's how you you do this. This is how you do that. I got my whole entire business acumen from, from my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I can't thank him enough for it, but there was a rough patch there for a long time where I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I look back at those moments and those are the, the turn point, turning points in my life where I either could have been a thug, you know, and I might not be alive right now. Yep. Um, or, you know, I could be a responsible citizen and help other people not make the mistakes I did. Yeah. 
And, and that's baseball in a nutshell. Hey, you made a mistake. Let me help you not make that next time. Make this adjustment. Like we were saying, it's all about adjustments. So yeah. my whole life upbringing was just making adjustments. And that's a, you, you really put it together there well, you know, kind of getting back to what you were saying as the life lessons that from all sports, but especially baseball, you know, your dad used baseball as kind of a vessel, right? I sure. mean, that's kind of what I got out of that. Well, he initially probably put me in it so I wouldn't get in trouble <laughs> until he knew where I was. <laughs> but from the get-go, I wanted to be a catcher, yeah. you know, because I have that uh, what we call like the Russian wrestling um, aptitude where – you know, in Russia, back in the days, they would take the kids that ran into the wall head first that are seven, like, he's going to the wrestling academy. You know, he's going to, you know. <laughs> and I was that kid that just like, yeah, put me back there. I'll play. People can run into me. That's cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really taught me a lot about – and you hate to, like, drop the word tough. You know, be tough. Be whatever. You can, you can be tough in a lot of ways without being a jackass, mm-hmm. right? Just because you, you're bellicose and you, you puff your chest up to somebody doesn't mean you're tough. Being tough is how to handle the locked door when there's another door. Mm-hmm. Being tough is being able to express uh, what's going on or if you've got a problem without um, overreacting, right, without giving up, stuff like that. To me, that's what tough is. Yeah. Um, I really learned how to be tough through my experiences, and, you know, my father was a big part of that. Of course, my mom, like I said, she's from Brooklyn. She, she, just, yeah. she was born yeah. tough. Yeah. That's just the way it is there, yeah. <laughs> there's a – I think – so the story that you're telling there, what what I find most interesting about that is there's kind of a lot of debate in the country right now with the um, the involvement and the importance of the father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you touched on it. You know, you said you you, you came up until fourth grade uh, in a single parent household, and and your mom probably did really really well. But excellent with, job. But without that father figure having come in and starting to imply you know to put on you the things that he brought you you would have a completely different life right now and and you said who knows what it would have been right oh absolutely i mean what obviously moms bring something to the table that that nobody can replace Mm -hmm. but if if there's not a dad in there kind of laying those rules down being supportive um you know showing you the way you know what what ends up happening who knows absolutely we, there's a joke with my closest friends that the over the over under on me was 40 years old yeah so i'm on house money right now i'm, I'm enjoying life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. thanks dad yeah, yeah. I, have, I have wayne price to thank for that <laughs> yeah that's great and i think that you know and, the, and that story is um so common you know and and i don't think people talk about it enough some of the the, the probably the most flattering comments um or compliments, I guess, that I've gotten from players is like when they reference me being a father figure, mm-hmm. or or athletes. I've had uh, I've had female athletes that have said, you know, you're a father figure to me. That's that is um, to me probably the big is bigger than any ring, any trophy, anything. If somebody considers you to be that influential, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're not my kids, yeah, um, then you know I don't care what my record is. I win. Yep. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So um, you came up. You were you were in baseball, like you said. You didn't you tried, make the Red Sox. I'm like yeah. dying to know then what. Yep, didn't make the Red Sox. So then you start going around and bouncing. You said bounce between jobs, trying to find your way. And teams, you know, independent leagues, Europe, everything. Um, you know, my most embarrassing moment was with the Red Sox when I was taking BP one time before I was released, and I hit a ball further than I've ever hit it in my life at 175 pounds. This is a major league park, right, mm-hmm. or major league size park. 
and I'm just watching it. What what now they would say pimping it, you know? But I was just watching it, and I remember the third base coach, and this was practice, say, "Hey, 25, turn around, we'll measure it later." And then everybody just laughed, and that's when I got my first like real baseball locker room experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, what does he mean? Measure little humble it, you know? pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little humble yeah pie I was there. just sitting here celebrating their longest hit of my life, and they're making fun <laughs> of it. Uh, you know, long fly ball. Um, but yeah, um, I uh, I decided, well, hey, I, I need to go to school. So I went to school and I got a degree in uh, kinesiology. And um, Explain that, I'm not familiar. Uh, physiology and kinesiology is study of human movement. Um, you can either go on the pedagogy side or the education side, like phys ed, or you can get into biomechanics okay. and stuff like that, which is basically physics of human movement type stuff. And that's what's always interested me is I want to know how I did what I did. Mm-hmm. I wanted the endocrinology background. I wanted the biomechanical background. I wanted to know what I can eat to make me a better athlete. I want to know uh, how to train myself because I'm coming back. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So I got recentered and got in there and um, did just the opposite of high school and then smoked it. You know, pulled like a 3.8. I was president of the Kinesiology Students Association. I got six different offers from graduate schools. Um, I ended up going uh, back to Indiana where I started and um, finished a master's degree in a year and a half. Uh, was dean's list was nominated for uh, part of my deal with Indiana is I was on full scholarship there. Um, I would teach three different classes a week and um, they would pay me a stipend and I'd get free scholarship and then, you know, do my degree stuff Mm -hmm. and work. I was also still um, training in baseball with Coach Morgan and I was still swimming competitively. So I was getting up in the morning at five, training, teaching class, going to class, going to baseball, going to bed, repeat. Days off, go to bed. And then... And in order to feed myself, I had to work with the rest of the athletes. I didn't have to, but this was the greatest deal in town. Um, if you worked in the kitchen at a sorority, you got to eat there for free. So I'll never forget one of my teammates and I were on, on, on pan duty. We would just wash dishes twice a day, and we could eat three times a day. I bought groceries once. <laughs> oh, in come on. You're leaving out. You got to see the pretty girls. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's I, a sorority. I go to plead the fifth yeah. on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Might have been a little bit of that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't usually hang out in the kitchen. You know? Well, <laughs> yeah. right. But you invite them to the game. But we know? did have <laughs> lunch time and dinner time. And, and teaching is a grad school. You got a lot of offers to eat. At, you know, because yeah. students were always trying to win over their, their professor or whatever, so or their graduate uh, teacher. So I got a lot of free lunches and a lot of free food, and that was like the best time of my life. There's I, so many of those kinds of things that happen in college. We um, we did an interview with one of my buddies uh, last week, Nick, yeah, yeah, and we were talking about the college days and those kinds of things, and he said the same kind of thing. He was like, man, I went and got a RA job because... I got to eat for free and, and I got stay to stay for there for free. free. And that's yeah. what college kids, that's, that's where the mentality is. It's like, where am I going to get my next meal? Cause I don't have a lot of money. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, we were talking about this last week, how like, you know, 20 bucks right now for any one of us is probably like, you know, I didn't even buy me a couple gallons of gas, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 20 bucks to a college student is still $20. Mm-hmm. So last week we weren't hitting, hitting very well. I had my team come in Saturday and we played a little line drive game off the tees and if you hit one above one line, you're out, or below another, you're out. And the last one standing gets twenty dollars. Man, you would have thought it was the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> it was world, man. And Bats came we have been banging it up ever since then. That's so basically, awesome. it cost me twenty bucks to get these yeah. guys to hit right. So we're going to do it again this Saturday yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it, um, the whole college thing for me, it, it, it's the uh, I'm a big structure freak. You know, I have I block things off of my calendar. I do this thing. I have to know, you know, my keys are in the same place every day or I don't know where they are. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I, I, and that comes from my dad too. That's a, 
and my brother's uh, former military. So, you know, we we have that structure, and I love it. My mom's more of an artist. Um, she was a, a, a rare book dealer, special collections librarian. So she mm-hmm. created the whole special collections thing at uh, University of North Carolina Greensboro. So I actually got to hold like a Gutenberg Bible and look at a book by Ben Franklin about wow. swimming and stuff like cool. that. Yeah. Plus, I had a really cool place to study when I was on campus because nobody yeah. could find me there in our office. But she was very artistic and still, you know, paints and sells paintings and stuff. And then my dad was bank, accounting, military. Yep. So I had both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So no matter where I landed in there, I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Opposites mm-hmm. attract, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So you're... Uh, you're hanging out in the in the sorority kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> washing pots, man. Washing pots. Washing pots. That's so, it. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. That's all you're doing. And teaching, uh, you know, teaching classes and and Indiana University was probably the greatest experience of my life. Um, then I got a coaching job at uh, I was a GA at, at Indiana um, at the University of South Carolina. So I packed up, moved to South Carolina. It was closer to North Carolina where everybody was, and and you can't turn down a Division One job. They're hard to get. It's mm-hmm. almost like making pro ball. And for me, I, I was like, you know, I, I I didn't get to the major leagues. I have to do – I have to – the odds are in my favor here. I got the job. I got to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there, and I was there for two years. Um, then I went to NC State, and I coached there for a year. And then I got tired of like being poor, honestly, because <laughs> I was the lowest paid assistant coach in the SEC. Mm. Um, I mean, I've had great – you know, I got to coach in the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC. I mean, that's three of the big five, Jeez, right? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. that is the life experience. Once I got the ACC notched off, I wasn't particularly happy in the position I was there. So I started a, and this is where it gets really fun, a commercial swimming pool management business. So I had uh, three partners. They were all former swimmers. We kind of knew each other from the aquatics thing. And um, this business, new business, was kind of a, a niche thing that was kind of getting popular. So basically what we do is we would manage – say, a a homeowners association pool or a community pool or a Mm. city pool or a country club or a natatorium. And we would say, for one fee, we'll manage this thing the entire season. That includes insurance. That includes chemicals, lifeguards, training, uniforms, blah, 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 blah. So it takes it off you. You make six payments throughout the season, and you don't have to worry about it. And we cover you with this inordinate amount of insurance in case anything happens. Well, you know, 10 years later, we have 800 pools across the country in 16 cities. So I go back to playing baseball. I hire a guy to run my part of it. Um, my three partners are in Atlanta and Charlotte, and I'm in the Midwest. I'm back to Indianapolis. I'm playing baseball in Indy. Then I go to Columbus. I'm playing baseball in Columbus. I blow my Achilles, and that's the end of it. So then I was like, man, you know, I sold the company after I blew the Achilles because I wanted to get back into baseball. And uh, so I sold that over the course of three years, and officially retired and then started this 224 and started coaching and so here i am you know i think it was 2011 hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it's a uh, kind of a unorthodox path you know because i really enjoyed business and that taught me a lot as well yeah. just day-to-day running you know if you're president of a business you gotta you're accountable for everything every dollar that was spent is 40 cents out of my pocket yep right so you tend to look at things a little differently yep. when you're buying you know, so I, you know, I did everything creative I could, you know, put all the chemicals on the Amex so I get all those points. Sure. You know, and so I get free flights, you yeah. know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You get really mm-hmm. creative. Yep. And that kind of translates into into 
game IQ and in, in managing, you know, I mean, how can I get him being to creative? Hear? Absolutely. Yeah. It gives yeah. you a creativity thing yeah. and it, it helped expose my creativity. And I think that's, yeah. that's translated into my baseball career and coaching career. What do you think, uh, well, I want to talk about your business a little bit, but what do you think got you to make the decision to be, become an entrepreneur, to, to start that business around the pools? Um, my athletic experience, because you don't make any money competitive swimming, mm-hmm. right? Until Michael Phelps rolled around, you mm-hmm. know, he's worth a hundred million, but he was way after me and way faster than me. Um, and then minor league baseball, you know, we weren't even getting paid minimum wage back then until they passed this new federal law. And even right now, you're making anywhere from nine thousand eight hundred to fourteen thousand seven hundred dollars a season, regardless of what level you are. So it's minimum wage. And then you got to go back and train and find another job. I got tired of that. You know, I said, how, if I'm going to advance my career to get to the spot where I want to get to either athletically or as a leader, a coach, I got to take a different path. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to be a head coach in division one unless I'm an assistant coach for 20 years and somebody either retires or drops dead or takes a better job, you know, and, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to wait that long. What can I do right now? Mm. So I basically, you know, financed my first year in the business on my credit cards. Okay. You know, and, and, you know, went through it just knowing, just having enough confidence and knowing I'm going to turn this thing into something huge. Yeah. And the next thing, next thing I know, I was making more than I ever thought I could make in my lifetime. I mean, more than I would playing pro ball. Yeah. So yeah. it, it yeah. worked out very well for me. So I reached my financial goals athletically through business. Sure. I got my leadership goals now because of the business. Um, and it all goes back to, you know, training, having a good father figure and, right. and strong parents and, you know, not let me quit. That yeah. support. I don't yeah. know how to quit. Dude, yeah. we've had a couple of risk takers on the show recently because Nick said the same thing. Like, ah, I was stuck there. I knew I had to make a move. Yeah. He just put it all on the credit card. Yeah. I thought that? the same yeah. thing. Yeah. It's yeah. a motivator. You know, when you don't have any other way, you're like, man, yeah. I got to make that payment now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got to yeah. do something right. and I'm not going to rob a bank. You know, We talked about that too. Uh, <laughs> well, the guys with lots of tattoos are usually the first ones I didn't find. Yeah. So yeah. Not, not my career choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and then that that's the difference. You know, you talk about the credit cards and so on and so forth. Like you're willing to take on that debt, but it's not because you're a deadbeat. Like, because you don't think you have to pay it off, it's because you know you have to pay it off, and you're going to figure it out. And more Absolutely, that you can. Yeah, it, and it takes a certain personality and um, certain training. Like I'll go back to parents to have that type of attitude of I'll figure it out for sure. I don't care what it is. I'm yeah. going to figure it out. Yeah. And there's there's that's one reason why I like stuff like this and like like I do do the TV broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Because I'll figure it out. You, there's a question. I'm never going to be uncomfortable with a question that anybody asks me. Yep. I'll figure it out. Yep. You know? one, one other thing I want to touch on, I think you might have something, Andy, but uh, in what you were saying there is the mentality of, I, I, don't, I don't want to wait anymore. Like, I, I want to make this happen. I want, I want to live my life. I want to move forward. I don't, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I know this is how I felt in the past, and maybe this is how you felt where you're just looking at it and you're going, man, you know, 10 years from now, if I stay on this path that I'm on right now, here's what I'm going to have to show for this. And it's not something I'm going to be happy about. So I need to get it going right now. Yes. And there are two type of mentalities when you say that is it, the type of person that can see big picture and make a plan and stick to it and mm-hmm. be patient enough. Because now we're in an era of what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Instant gratification. Like the kids saying, who sponsors yes. your school? Yeah. You know, what can I get now? If I can't get it now, I quit. If I don't get playing time, I quit. 
you know, my whole mentality, and again, it goes back to my parents and everything, and my experiences are you make a commitment, you make a plan, you have, um, you've got a goal, you have to make a objective, accomplishable, small steps, you know, that challenge you. And if you keep checking those, you check two or three or four of those off, your confidence goes up every time. And that's what I did. I did it for me. You know, I, I said, I'm going to do this all by myself. Um, of course, I had a good support group, but right. I didn't depend on anybody. I didn't call home to mommy and daddy and say, can you loan me 50 grand? I'm going to start a business. No. And this is when you were single? Yes. You're married now. Yeah. Okay. I, I've only been all married five stuff. years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was funny, a story. Well, we can get into wife stories later. But uh, yeah, I was, no, I was single. And um, <laughs> and uh, another really strong influence in my life was my grandmother on on my biological father's side. Um, I think she was always trying to make up for him not being around. Yeah. So there was a point where I came, when I got released from baseball, I came back, I lived with her because she was closer to campus and I was broke, you know, and, and so I was going to school and living with her and she was like the greatest roommate I ever had, you know, <laughs> she was like 45, 55 yeah. years older than me. <laughs> so we had a great relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just a saint. And you know, she dropped out of school in sixth grade, started working because wow. back then that's what you did in, in yeah. her family, yeah. you know, and she worked for uh, Wrangler for her entire career and worked her way up to be like in charge of some department with a sixth grade education. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't motivate you, yeah. you know, when you're around that on a daily basis, you know, when she told me you're working too much, you got three jobs and you're going to school, you need to drop something. And that's not a request. That's an order. You know, I mean, I'm like, gee, man, Sergeant Klingo over here, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, again, I've been really lucky to have some very positive influences in my life. And it wasn't always, you know, puppies and pillows. Yeah. You know, it was like you have to learn your lesson. We're going to let you fall down. Yeah. You know, we're not going to catch you. And, um, you know, and, and I am either too proud or too stubborn to go back home and say this is what I need or whatever. I just I want to do it on my own. And yeah. that's always been the way I am. Yeah. That's I great. don't. I don't regret a second of it. Yeah. And that's how then two two four. I mean, you just. Yeah, I saw something like, that I didn't agree go. with. You know, I yeah. said, "Man, I do it better." Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking earlier that, um, you know, when you do something successfully, you create an environment that's ripe for competition, right? Sure. If I'm running pools really well, people see there's money in that industry. They're going to start one, but are they going to do it as well as I do? The whole premise behind 224 is, and before I even started it, I worked on it for two years. Because when I came out with this, and we just recently patented some training products that we have full patents on for throwing and catching and all this that we've been developing and creating, and, and I'm really proud of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you, if you plan it and you stick to it and you have a certain standard, it doesn't matter if you have competition. You know, because you've got a product. It, it's going to take anybody else three years to get where we are now if they started right now. So we've got a three-year jump. That's kind of what I wanted. So I wasn't even getting paid by myself the first two or three years I started this company. Everything came out of my pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, if I traveled, if I spoke at yep. clinics, if I developed the whole development of the product, it comes out of my pocket, you know. So hopefully when we go to production, you know, I'll get paid back. Right. But that's part of the goal. I didn't I didn't quit mm -hmm. because, oh, a patent's ten grand. And you well, have people competing now? I mean, seeing well, what we, you're doing and well, um, yeah, we, it's kind of funny. We've had actually two of the guys that we actually used for some of our um, evaluations. Go, oh man, I'm going to do this, and then they right. went. And it was a disaster. Oh jeez. You because know, oh, I can do it and make more money by not doing this. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole reason we got the contract is because this is what we offer, and it's our reputation. 
And one year we lost the uh, big contract to one of our competitors. He was a former uh, former partner of ours. Um, uh, we lost it to him, and he did such a crap job. The next year they came back to us, and I jacked it up 20%. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I said, well, you know, if you want us, you can have us, but here's our, call. Here's our price. You know, because last year we spent some money developing the program for you for your presentation to the board and everything and that takes man hours and you chose to go the other way even though we told you what you're getting into Mm -hmm. and now you're coming back so then because i like those people we struck a cool deal with them where yeah one of them had a super nice condo in town we could stay in instead of getting a hotel and that would take it down a little bit (laughs) so you know we we managed to to finagle a pretty good deal out of that one (laughs) well that's good yeah the uh what Maybe just a little bit about what all you guys do at 224. It's become, you know, it first started off, like I was um, talking about earlier, is just coaching, you know, virtual coaching, um, clinics, uh, going and running clinics, speaking at uh, things like the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Um, But then it turned into pitching and catching. Then it turned into um, talent evaluation for leagues. Then it turned into safety education for coaches on the field. Then it turned into coaching education. Well, I keep adding. I don't say turn into. Then we added coaches education where we'll run practices for youth coaches and then provide them the template on our site. They have a password, and they can go in, and they can say, okay, Monday's practice, we're going to do this. These are the drills, blah, 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 blah. And then we get into player drafts, and then you know we patented some uh, like train the training um, materials that we've come up with, and now you know talent. Uh, talent management so professional athletes and now nil work so i, I keep like ever evolving is well kind of i, I what think it you is. have to yeah you know, i mean yeah, i've had yeah. to evolve as a coach so if covid taught us one thing is how to evolve a business mm-hmm. right now my business wasn't that affected except for you know baseball was canceled for two years so we couldn't actually go and do physical stuff but we learned how to do virtual stuff um, you know, we, we worked on our patent, we uh, expanded into uh, stuff where we don't have to be present, like talent management, mm-hmm. you know. And now that that's all set up and everything's back to, you know, pretty much full bore, we benefit from it. You know, we just got smarter from it. So I think that's the, the story of successful small businesses is you, you set out to do something and you're doing it and then you see something come along and you have to evaluate is that is that something that we want to add? Is that something that can be beneficial? Is that something that can help us grow? And you make that decision, and you do it or you don't. And that and those decisions that you make kind of paint the picture of that business. And it sounds like that's what you guys have seen. Yeah, and then going back to baseball, and not not being too boring about this or repeating myself, it's about making adjustments. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it applies to my coaching. You know, just like the business. You know, um, we were one of the few leagues uh, the first COVID year to actually go off. Like most of them weren't yeah. going. But um, after some meetings with the mayor and some um, protocol that Joe and Terry Sissel and I came up with, they approved us to play. And, yeah, we had to clear everybody else's stands and sanitize them. And we had to keep only the starting lineup in the dugout, everybody else outside, stuff like that. I bought a big gallon jug of hand sanitizer and put, you know, our, our logo is a pig in mud and put that on there. You know. <laughs> the filth ballers. Yeah. Right. You know, clean your hands, filth ballers. So, you know, <laughs> and I'll be, you know, and some things about your life change from that, like, you know, now I, I do more dapping than handshaking. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. I still have four bottles of sanitizer in my car and every workout bag <laughs> I have. You know, you kind of get a little germaphobish sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. 
you know, and especially baseball players, and God knows where their hands have been. You know what I mean? They're always adjusting and wiping their hands. You know, I'm like, you I don't want so, I'm so like, bro, I'll, I'll hug you before I shake that hand. Yeah. I saw you. <laughs> You're so nasty. <laughs> that's funny. Now, uh, on my side of it, that's the whole reason I got in touch with Johnston Hobbs and the Corn Belt League as a whole because I help with uh, a lot of programming and, and setting schedules. And I developed a relationship because I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to see more of it on the station. And plus, we needed sports content throughout the summer. So I set a schedule uh, with the American Legion and a lot of American Legion teams around here. And they were great, great coaches, great teams. And then 2020 rolled around, and the American Legion from the top down said, no games. It's over. So I'm sitting here, you know, with my pants around my ankles, like, oh, "Oh my God, my whole schedule's gone. And then this— the commissioner sent something out our way and just came across my desk. Cornbelly, what in the hell is this? Oh, wow. Okay, this might be something. And Joe's like, yeah, hell with it. We're going to play. <laughs> <laughs> and these kids wanted to play. So you guys got a ton of really good talent in from across the nation and the state of Nebraska. So it fit us like a glove because, as we mentioned before, um, a lot of these kids play for like Doan University or Wayne State College, and we already do their basketball and, and football games throughout the other seasons. And look at you now. You won the corn eating or the corn on the oh, cob eating God, contest on July 4th. I'm never going to live that down. Wait, tell us. I don't know what you're well, talking about. Well, we had a corn about. on the cob eating contest at our all-star game, like, okay. uh, like seventh inning stretch cool. type thing. <laughs> and so, you know, he he represented uh, NCN. NCN. And then we had some some overzealous kids out there whose eyes are a little bit bigger this than their stomachs, I think. This little skinny Andy right oh, here? Oh, he tore it up, man. It. I mean, it was scary. Yeah. It was damn near savage. How many yeah. did you eat? <laughs> it was just who could eat one the fastest. Oh, one the fastest in all of the kernels. And I was like a typewriter yeah. man. Just <laughs> yeah, he definitely had thought about this. Oh, yeah. So you didn't on. spin it. You went no, back, back and forth. back and forth like a typewriter. And don't go ching and then back. No, just back. Don't waste any time. I mean, oh. I, I look like a 1940s, 1950s cartoon, you know. Of <laughs> Do like, we have a video of this somewhere? Uh, there is it video somewhere. It won't, it won't leave me alone. <laughs> it just keeps circulating on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's on the it's on the cover page of the Corn yeah, Belt League on their website. Belt com, you'll see a little, <laughs> oh, little ben, snippet on our up. season uh, video. Oh, yeah. God, you shouldn't hilarious. be ashamed of that. I mean, did they give you a trophy? Uh well, you got to wear the corn cob hat. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, there you go. So it protrudes like three feet off your head. And he was oh, doing man. the broadcast of that for a little while. So uh, um, we went out afterwards for some drinks and you know celebratory stuff, you know, because it was after the champion, was after the All Star game, and my phone starts lighting up and I'm getting text messages from all my old buddies, college, high school. I'm like, what? The, what's going on here? <laughs> and they saw that highlight that got tweeted out. I didn't know it at the time, but yeah, they're all flipping me. Shit for winning. <laughs> true, true Nebraska kid. You but you go. know what? It, it, it could be worse. It could be a worse video of you out there than winning a competition. Yeah, so. That is true. Yeah, yeah, so. Oh, uh, that's good. Is that on your resume? Uh, it needs to be. I need to update that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got a picture. You uh, just put it on there. It's and, worth a thousand words. And then, yeah, uh, Coach Hobbs is actually on the – he was the color analysis for those couple oh, of innings. Oh, my so. gosh. Yeah, he got his jabs in, too. I'm never going to live it down. So. Well, I'm really lucky because there's at least one game a year where – where um, NCN lets me do the color for the game. Do you enjoy it? Oh, I love it. Like it's it, and I talked to Andy about this. <laughs> it really, uh, I have, I'm struggling internally with. Is it more fun than coaching? <laughs> oh, because I love to talk baseball. If you haven't picked up on that yet, <laughs> I spend two hours of your time. Um, but uh, particularly with those guys, you know, they're they're the 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 you know 
announcers very kind of and then i'm i just like just don't care right you know i'm like oh man that was a horrible play that guy just absolutely biffed that you know and i'll get texts from my friends going man you're killing that kid and i don't realize it <laughs> but it's my coach going oh man you should have turned your glove over you know, you know? that's gonna so, be worth something someone's got to pick you up well i mean yeah. i gotta get a clip i gotta get these guys to help promote my brand for once instead of me promoting everybody else's there, there we go <laughs> yeah and we got great production guys in the truck so where if coach hobbs gets too colorful with his we can we can bleep it yeah out. there's <laughs> a there's a dump button on there <laughs> yeah. i think last year it was uh it was really funny there's this one hitter coming up uh, bobby morganson remember him from florida atlantic okay kid was a slugger he either struck out or hit it out of the park he was leading the league in home runs and i was upstairs and um i said if you throw this he just swung and missed on outside pitch and i said now, look, here, if you're a pitcher, the last thing you want to do is throw this kid an inside pitch. You're an idiot if you throw him an inside pitch. Because if you do, he will put it out of the park. Next pitch was inside, he hits it out of the park, and the producer hits the button in my ear and goes, well, you called that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty good as a color announcer when you can call it. You know, you call it before it yeah. actually happens. It's like, yeah. well, the fun, ah. funniest part is when you guys will ask me, you know, when Sonny's in the – on the mound in a little huddle. What's he saying in there right now? Oh, God. And I'm like, well, <laughs> let me think about this real quick. Yeah, nothing, nothing I can say over the air, but <laughs> that's great. That's good stuff. It's real good stuff. And it's, it's, it kind of opens the door a little bit or, you know, lets you see inside as a, as an audience, seeing that perspective from a coach, not just me who played the game, who loves the game, you know, uh, I never coached at that level. So it gives you a whole nother perspective, which I think also adds to the broadcast. Yeah. And I think, um, as parents, you know, bringing kids up in sports and stuff like that, we, our, our conversations are always with other parents, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and the coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, we get to know them and we're buddies with them and stuff like that, but there's still kind of that, that relationship. Like there's that barrier between that relationship. You don't get too close. You know, I think that's by design. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting to really sit down and, and talk with a coach and, and see how how they think and how their mind works yeah. and just gives you a whole yeah. another level of respect from from the parent standpoint, you know, from the sidelines. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I actually welcome that. You know, I'll tell my players, you know, if, if your parents le- have legitimate questions, now I'm not the coach to email complaining that your kid doesn't get playing time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll just hit the delete button and we'll yeah. go no further than that. And I tell them the first day, I'm going to tell you, you're all adults. If you have an issue, come talk to me as an adult. Maybe you see something I don't. Maybe you make a great argument. I got 25 of you to manage. I right. may miss something. And uh, I've, uh, when you put that mess, that expectations out there early, mm-hmm. and you know, Count hey guys, it's not just about the record yeah. here. You know, it's about you leaving healthy, uh, getting a good experience, getting better, obviously, but you know, also being a better person type thing. You know, I have much more conversations with parents about the game and how I got there than I've ever had in complaints. So um, something's working well there, right? I don't know how, I don't know exactly what it is that we're doing that's doing that or in what order. Um, But I love having those conversations. I actually welcome them because I'll sit down and talk about it all day long. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, man, um, based on the conversations that we've had today, I am not surprised whatsoever uh, of the success that you're having. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I think you're, I think you, you really bring a lot to coaching and it's, it's such an important job, you know, like we talked about, like that father figure. I mean, you, you have so much influence on so many young men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just great, you know, to see folks like you involved in it. I appreciate that. It's a I look at it as a big responsibility. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, I've I'm, I'm been very blessed. 
you know, to be able to get the opportunities that I've had and, and make the most of them. And I think it's maybe a little selfish, but I'm reaching a level that I didn't reach in my professional career. So my whole idea yeah. is let me the, the potential that I didn't get a chance to exercise at a professional level. I can as an athlete, I can do as a coach. Yeah. And I'm finding I'm getting more and more at peace with um, I have more to offer as a leader than mm-hmm. I did as a player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm making some progress. And there's your therapy session. There we go. <laughs> I like it. There we go. Let me ask one more question. So at 224, what do you see that maybe you don't offer now or have now that could come up? Oh, man, or do you just want to like not tell us because you don't want someone to copy you? We, we got a couple things. Okay, couple fi- so you got irons in the fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the nil stuff is the new. The new thing, thing is really the helping. nil okay. stuff, and right now, um, until the rules change, like I said, it's the wild, wild west right now. Yeah. So we have to really uh, dot our eyes and cross our t's legally um, uh, to make sure that we're doing the right thing by our athletes. So the last thing I want a kid to do is trust me with their nil and we make a mistake yeah. and they lose eligibility. Yeah. Um, that would hurt me personally more than it would professionally. Um, so, you know, now's my, my vacation time. You know, we were talking earlier about my family, and uh, last year they did come out here. Hopefully they'll come out again Okay, this yeah, year. that's what I was going to say. Are they yeah. going to come yeah. and visit? Um, yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves Omaha in June. Come I on mean, now. Well, Omaha is very gonna, similar to Raleigh. CWS, are you going or what? Yeah, you know, part of my deal is I get CWS tickets, you know, oh, when I shucks, come back. Oh, shucks, you know. So, uh, and I enjoy okay. it, but... <laughs> Well, on the championship weekend, I will be leaving. Um, my niece is getting married oh. in Greenville, South Carolina. So I'm flying out Saturday morning at 5.41 a.m. Mm. to make a 5 p.m. wedding to turn around and leave Sunday morning to come back so I don't miss any games. Okay, <laughs> I was just going to say, My mom and dad wow. think I'm nuts. You know, they're like, and my wife, who's hilarious about baseball, not a fan, will be like, can't you just, like, miss a game? I'm like, no, you don't no. get it. <laughs> you know, I, I remember I went to a Red Sox game to see one of the kids uh, that played for us, and it was a noon game before they were leaving for London to play the Yankees. So I went to the day game. Uh, I had a day off from here. I flew up there to see him play, and my wife was going to try to make it, but she couldn't. She goes, well, can't you just tell them to play the game tomorrow? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not how it works. It doesn't <laughs> work that way. Yeah. 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 And she's a genius. Don't get me wrong. She's brilliant. But she's a corporate mind, uh-huh. you know, and yeah. I'm a, I'm a, you know, down in the dirt, kind of on the floor type. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So it makes, like you said, opposites kind of a track. So were you pumped to see Notre Dame after, what, 20 I years? I was, because Notre Dame's from Indiana. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I, I was bruised. Yeah. And plus, I just wanted to beat Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think hey, I'm more happy. Hey, we lived to- in Tennessee. Yeah. So yeah. we, I was bummed because we have friends a lot of times that come sure. in. Yeah. But to the point of, you know, talking about how the coaching was and you know just some other things that i didn't fully Mm -hmm. know whatever i love i'm always a underdog rooter yeah i love it so when they said they hadn't been here what 47 oh i thought they said 20 something third appearance all time okay so that's even that's cool yeah i think that's cool and there's there's another unranked team and there's like two or three Ole miss Uh, Ole miss yeah you know i mean their coach was gonna get fired like three weeks ago yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and now he's okay. For championship. See, that's fun. Well, yeah. unless they extend that, that contract, you don't know, man. You yeah. know, yeah, like, yeah, what have you done for me get, lately? Yeah. You know, that's true. That's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Florida State coach just got fired. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they they made the they won what the they got through the ACC championship and made it, and then they they came. And him, so. selfishly, as a Husker fan, I love that because one of the best players, high school players out of the state, committed to Florida State as a sophomore, a freshman in high school. 
And now with that in the air, and maybe yeah. we got a shot again. Maybe that yeah. recruitment opens back up. Yeah. yeah. Coach Hobbs, go talk to the young man. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> well, Andy, let you get into well, what else we got going. Yeah. On well, here. what do we got here? This is your this is your this uh, is table. This okay. is a little speakeasy here. All right. Well, Coach, uh, just to kind of close it out, definitely appreciate having you. Um, appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot going on and, and coming on our podcast. It's been fun. Um, and to show our appreciation, we've got a couple of, of folks that we work with that we just want to talk about a little bit. So sitting here at this table that you're sitting at, one of my buddies built this. It's kind of a cool little setup. Um, this company that we know makes these flags, um, Chard Chisel is the name of the company. You can find them online. So they, they make these cool flags for us. But what we did with this table is we've got this little hidden compartment. Boom. So James Bond up. stuff in Look here. Look at yeah. this. Oh, hello. <laughs> There's my friend. <laughs> so I was, I was commenting how much I liked the the logo and the table before yeah. you even came in here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's like pretty it. cool. And it's even cooler now that you know what's I, going on. I mean, it's, it, yeah. the stock just went out the roof. <laughs> <on this thing. laughs> you might have to run and grab us a couple more cups real quick. Okay. If you would. Yeah. Um, we always forget that. I know we do. So uh, two two things. There's there's two other companies that we work with that have been really great to us, and we and we've had uh, one of these guys on this Cooper's Chase um, vodka and bourbon. Doug Trainer. These guys are in uh, West Point is where they make this. So West Point, Nebraska. So this is these are liquors distilled from Nebraska grains. Oh, local stuff. I love uh, it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna give that a little try. And, and Nebraska then, just keeps on impressing me. Yeah, oh, man. Oh yeah. yeah. And then number two, it gets even better. So these copper mugs, go ahead and grab one of those. Oh, man, those are nice. This is made by a company also in Nebraska called Handlebend uh, in O'Neill. Um, so these guys hand make these things, you know, 100% copper mugs, hand make them, put them all together. They do a bunch of different things. The mugs, the they do straws, they do big cups, all kinds of things. So it's just kind of cool company we work with. Um, some there's some mass to this thing right here. You know, that's a standpoint. I like that's this. a real one. You can tell because it's so heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and furthermore, so those guys in working with those guys, what they've done is they've um, given us these these sets. So these are for our guests. Oh wow! Yeah. No way. Yep. So what you've got there is the what you're seeing with these. They custom made the size of these so that they'd fit in our little compartment here. Those ones are quite a bit bigger. Uh, so, so you knew you knew me. You heard about me before I got yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty cool setup. Handlebend, um, handlebend.com. People can buy directly from them if they like to. But uh, you can see they, they do a great job with the packaging. Yeah, I have to definitely check this out. This has got Christmas present list written right? all over all it. All day. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of this cool little crate. And the only way you can get it open is with the crowbar, with the crowbar. that they said. Yeah. yeah. So you got to yeah. work for it. Yes, I like you it. do. Yeah, I like yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Just like my mantra in baseball, you got to work for it. That's right. There yep. we go. Yep. So when you get the opportunity to get home, you can open those up and check them out. But that's a gift from us and Handlebend to you. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate it and uh you know with or without the the gift here it was a lot of fun and anytime i can sit down and talk about the cool things that are going on around here and my experiences i'm more than willing to do so so thank you very much all three of you yeah absolutely so uh you like bourbon or vodka better the problem is i like both yeah but since we're going uh I would probably, you know what, I would change it up and go bourbon today. Okay. There right. we go. Yeah. There we now, go. Now, every one of my friends that's going to hear this is going, 100 bucks says vodka. 100 yeah. bucks says vodka. <laughs> ben loves the bourbon. Like, I'm, loves yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a, a brown liquor bourbon guy. See, I'm, I'm a vodka guy. Yeah. Just because there's not a lot of calories in it. And, yeah. You know, when yeah. you're training sure you're for a fight. you're thinking about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, every one of these drinks is 
an extra 400 sit-ups. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, we got to we gotta get a hold of Doug and get some more bourbon here. Oh, we shoot. do, man. We're getting low. I know. And yeah, well, I it's did... either really tasty or you've had a lot of guests. So I'm going to guess both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably both. Uh, yeah. And yeah, he, that they run, this is a small town, West Point, Nebraska, and he just runs to the local elevator and gets gets the grains there, and that's what he uses to distill with. I love stories like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, you're like just the, finishing it off. Why not? Yeah. You don't want it to evaporate. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. We got to talk to Doug. Yeah, so they, yeah, it's it's great stuff. They do a good job. Honestly, I'm I'm like, I'm no bourbon connoisseur, but yeah. I've had a bunch of different ones. Yeah. And this, to be completely honest with you, is one of my favorites. Nice. So I think you'll enjoy well, if it. He's, if he's ever looking for someone to endorse his vodka, uh, you know, you're the, you know the guy. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> so let's take a drink and then we'll close it out. Uh, again, Cheers. thanks for coming. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you yep. so much. All right. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. Easy drinking. Pretty smooth. Really good. Easy drinking. Oh. Much better than a breath mint. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this was fun. It was. Nice yeah, to meet man. you, well, Coach. Nice to meet you. Thank you so yeah, much. It was great. It's been it's been cool doing this podcast and, and just the opportunities that it's afforded us to just mm-hmm. speak with folks like you. And Welcome, and Come on out to a game sometime. Yeah, It'd be man, fun. I'd love to. Yeah. It'd be great. We'll put you in some filth baller gear. There we oh, go. Oh, you'd love so it. Fun. You'd love Yeah, it's, well, it's a good logo. I make some shirts every year, some specialty shirts, depending uh-huh. on the year. So you two guys make it out. We'll give you some. Uh, so when's your season over? Or uh, July 30th or 31st will be the championship game of the tournament. Okay, so we got a little time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you can catch us on NCN. That's well, right. Well, yeah, every but I want to be there night. in person. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, sir. Okay, let us know, Andy. We'll do. We'll do. What All else, right. man? Got anything else? I don't. We, well, I think we covered a lot there. Yep. It was a fun one. It was. Super it was. fun. Cool. Well, let me play this uh, this outro music, and we'll hit it. Catch okay. you later, folks. Appreciate you guys. Peace. Take care.